So when we meet Jesus in the Gospel of Mark today, uh, things are heating up between him and the Pharisees. Jesus is in Jerusalem and is at the temple when they come to confront him, asking him by what and whose authority has he come to do all that he um, has been doing in his life and ministry. Jesus answers them with a question that leaves them unable to pin him down. And then Jesus tells them the parable that is our scripture this morning. So let us listen together for God's word for us this day. Reading from Mark chapter 12, verses 1 through 12. Then Jesus started telling them stories. A man planted a vineyard. He fenced it, dug a wine press, erected a watchtower, turned it over to the farmhands, and went off on a trip. At the time for harvest, he sent a servant back to the farmhands to collect his profits. They grabbed him, beat him up, and sent him off empty-handed. So he sent another servant. That one they tarred and feathered. He sent another, and that one they killed. And on and on, many others. Some they beat up, some they killed. Finally, there was only one left, a beloved son. In a last-ditch effort, he sent him, thinking, Surely they will respect my son. But those farmhands saw their chance. They rubbed their hands together in greed and said, This is the heir. Let's kill him and have it all for ourselves. They grabbed him, killed him, and threw him over the fence. What will the owner of the vineyard do? He'll come and clean house. Then he'll assign the care of the vineyard to others. Read it for yourselves in scripture. That stone the masons threw out is now the cornerstone. This is God's work. We rub our eyes. We can hardly believe it. They wanted to lynch him then and there, but intimidated by public opinion, held back. They knew the story was about them. They got away from there as fast as they could. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Those last two verses in our scripture today, they knew the story was about them. So they got away from there as fast as they could. This is the reaction of the first hearers of this parable, its first intended audience. As we encounter Jesus' word this day, what will our reaction be? It can be easy to interpret this parable in such a way that gets us off the hook. The nation of Israel is described as a vineyard in the Old Testament more than once, So as the parable unfolds, we can quickly assign people to the different roles in the story. If Israel is the vineyard, then God is the planter and landowner. The farmhands are those God has left in charge of the care and tending of the vineyard, the leaders of the nation. The servants the landowner sends to collect his share of the harvest are the prophets God raised up over the course of Israel's history thus far who more often than not, though not always, were rejected and ignored. The beloved son that the landowner sends as a last-ditch effort 
thinking the farmhands will at least respect him, is Jesus himself. As Jesus foreshadows his death at the hands of those in power within the vineyard, the nation of Israel, the chief priests, legal experts, and elders to whom he is speaking, who have come to challenge both him and his authority. The threat within the parable looms as Jesus finishes telling it. After the death of his son, the landowner will be done with these farmhands and will find new farmhands with which to entrust the vineyard. We can listen to this parable and have a wholly different reaction to it than the Pharisees who first heard it. We can see ourselves as those new farmhands and say, thank goodness the story isn't about me. Dodging the intensity of this encounter with the gospel. However, I'm pretty confident that a quick look around at the vineyard that is our world today would reveal that we farmhands of our own time haven't got things figured out any more than the farmhands of Jesus's. So as we hear his parable today, my hope is that we will have the same recognition that its first audience did. They knew that the story was about them. But I also hope that that is where the similarity ends. Rather than getting away from there, from Jesus as fast as we can, my hope is that we can hang here with him, delve deeper, look closer at this tough story and our role in it, trusting that there is good news, grace for us in it. From its very beginning, the nation of Israel was chosen by God to reveal who God was to all the other nations, the people of the world. So when we look at God's activity with the people of Israel, we know that it reveals God's purposes for all of us. God plants the vineyard and then sets it up with everything it will need to thrive. Fences to define and protect it a wine press to handle the harvest, and a watchtower that allowed the farmhands to guard it. Once everything is in place, the vineyard is turned over to the farmhands who are meant to work and care for the vineyard so that it might bear fruit. If this is a story about us, then we are farmhands, tenants, who do not own the ground upon which we live, but instead have been given everything we have in this life, it all entrusted to our care with the purpose of growing fruit that is not meant for us alone. Instead, that fruit is meant to be shared, given back to the creator, the great planter, so that fruit might be used, so that that fruit might be used for the planter's purposes in the world. So take a minute and think about your own vineyard, your own life. What have you been given to tend, to nurture, to cultivate in this world? What fruit? is being born in you. 
from the vineyards God has given you. How are you being invited to share of that fruit with the great planter? What larger purpose might God have for the fruit of your harvest? The impulse of the farmhands in this parable is a common one, a very human one. We have this deep desire to own and control to hoard, to have it all for ourselves. The impulse to reject the planter, to reject the son, so that we can put ourselves in that position, that authority instead, is one we see rise up in us over and over again in history. Yet that rejection costs us each and every time. Just as a building without a cornerstone, without a strong foundation, will be built askew, destined to eventually crack, crumble, and fall, the same is true for our lives and our world when we reject our Creator and His plans for us, trying to go our own way instead. Jesus was about to become the rejected one. The beloved son, grabbed by the farmhands, killed and thrown over the fence. Yet the rejected one, that cast away stone, his broken body, is taken by God and made to be the cornerstone. The one who reveals to all of us that it is actually through loving sacrifice the freely giving and sharing of who we are and what we have been given, that life in all of its abundance comes. His example, his gift, is the cornerstone by which we are all meant to orient our lives. John and Molly Chester left their life in Santa Monica, California. He is a documentary filmmaker. She is a private traditional food chef. And they bought a 214-acre farm about 40 miles north of Los Angeles. The farm had raised lemons and avocados in its past, but the soil had had its life farmed out of it. The previous tenants on that particular land, sucking the life out of it over the years until the land finally failed, unable to bear the fruit that had once made it profitable. When John and Molly move in as the new farmhands, their dream is to work with Mother Nature to regenerate the farm so that it might bear fruit once more. With John's documentary filmmaking background, they record throughout their decade-long journey of nurturing and caring for the ground they have been given. And they share their story with the world through the documentary, The Biggest Little Farm. To give you a taste of their story and journey, 
We've got the trailer of the film to share with you this morning. This all started with a promise that we'd leave the big city and build a life in perfect harmony with nature, like a traditional farm from the past. Here we are, apricot lane farms. Molly and John are very happy about this. What do you think of this, Todd? This is what we're fighting. Our version of a farm would be different. Plants, wildlife, livestock, all working together. Here they are, Emma the pig and Mr. Greasy the rooster. Friends for life. <laughs> We wanted to believe that everything had a purpose. We had our plan. And nature had hers. This feels overwhelming. But even the pests have a role to play. And these are the opportunities that fuel our farm. They told us we were crazy. And sometimes they were right. Breaking news in California. Six major wildfires. I can see a lot of smoke. We're starting to face new problems. Knock that fever down and then just pray. We just don't have answers for it. No, no. Our land reawakened. On roof. This is a large chicken egg. saw things that we had never seen before. Have you washed your hands, John? <laughs> the hardships we face make the dream itself feel so much more alive. The juxtaposition of the farm and land as it was with tenants who rejected the creator's design for their own practices, with the farm as it became when the Chesters sought to work in tandem with nature, restoring it to what I have to imagine was more in line with the great planter's original vision for the earth, is stark. The life that flourishes and the fruit that is born both from the earth and in the hearts of people as the story of this farm unfolds, is beautiful to behold. It is a testament to what can be cultivated when we take our place as farmhands and lovingly care for what we have been given, not for our own profit, but simply to take our place in the larger story, letting our lives bear fruit for the great planter's purposes in the world. We're still working out the details, but Farmstead Aid is hoping to host a screening of The Biggest Little Farm on Earth Day this year, Saturday, April 22nd. One of our biggest hopes for the Farmstead is that it would be a place where people gather for good, 
where we invite people to cultivate not only some ground out here on our eight acres, but to cultivate the soil of their very lives, not for simply their own benefit, but so that they can discover God's purposes for them, so that together we might all bear fruit, fruit that can serve the great planter's purposes in the world. The parable of the vineyard is a story about us. So once more, think about your own vineyard, your own life, our life here. What have you, what have we been given to tend, to nurture, to cultivate in this world? What fruit is being born in you, in us? How are you, how are we being invited to share of that fruit with the great planter? What larger purpose might God have for the fruit of your harvest, of our harvest here?